cloud that's starting and then the live stream here should kick in shortly all right so welcome everybody hi um happy thursday afternoon friday's almost here although you know time is a construct and you know, whatever but um my name's meg i'm here as part of the power to flies virtual hosting team i am super excited to be chatting with you all today and obviously super excited to be back uh with my girl kelly from the allura collective um, before we get started with today's chat, I'm just going to go over a couple of real quick housekeeping items for y'all. Um, if you have joined us for a past chat in the last couple of weeks or months, this will be old hats. So I'll try and go fast. Um, so like all of our virtual events, today is all about you. It's all about our participants, and we want to make sure that you guys get as much out of today as we put into it. So to that end, we want to prioritize your participation. Um, on, on a chat with Kelly, more I think than any other, other host or, or speaker that we have, um, you really have the power to direct this conversation and where it goes. She loves to take these questions, both what was pre-submitted and anything that you guys come up with uh, today during the, chat, during the chat. So please feel free to participate. Um, you're more than welcome to turn your cameras on. Uh, let us see your smiling, maskless, and safe faces. Um, <laughs> and just know that if you do come off mute for whatever reason, whether your camera's on or off, you will show up in the recording um, of this uh, of this um, session, as well as the live stream that's on our website right now. So um, either your camera or whatever, or your avatar, whatever you have up right now, that's what'll show. If you don't want to be on the recording, not a problem. You can still participate by putting any questions or comments into the um, Zoom chat. And if you want to be in deep cover and don't want anyone ever to know you were here, um, then you can send your chat, uh, your questions or comments in the chat to me. Just pick my name, Meg Alexander, from the drop-down menu instead of sending it to everyone. Um, as we go along, um, if you are coming off mute to question to, to uh, ask questions or comment, please feel free to interrupt me, but try your best not to interrupt Kelly or any of our other attendees. And make sure that you come off mute to ask your question and then go back on mute. It helps um, cut down on background noise and maintains audio clarity for our recording and everybody else that's on the call. Um, like I said, today's session is being recorded. So whether you um, only stay for five minutes, stay for the full 60, or are watching this you know, days or weeks later because you couldn't join us today. Um, anyone that registered for today's session, whether or not they attend, will get a, an email in one to two business days with a link to rewatch the recording on our website. Now, if you wanna watch it or share it with friends um, sooner than that, no problem. Please feel free to do that. Um, you can check out our YouTube channel. We're at Power to Fly. Um, for the, uh, the the recording will be up there. It usually doesn't take very long, a couple minutes um, for it to make it back up to our website or to our YouTube channel. Um, as far as social goes, I very much encourage you to, to subscribe to our YouTube channel because that way you don't have to miss out on events like this. You can always review them later and it doesn't clutter up your inbox. Um, you can also keep up with us on social uh, on Power. We are at Power to Fly on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. I'm going to throw um, some links and some uh, hashtags that we like to use into the chat. So please feel free to share with your uh, with your friends or colleagues uh, that you are learning with Power to Fly this afternoon. Um, as we do go to get started, let's see what else. I covered everything. Going on mute. Oh, we'll show the questions um, the questions list before we start tackling them. But again, like please feel free to ask your questions um, or, or add comments. Um, to get us started with Kelly, um, I feel like I've read this a ton, so I, I really kind of know it by heart because Kelly's you know, a frequent flyer um, with us as a guest host or guest speaker. But um, Kelly has been in global recruiting for a while. She has moved herself back and forth um, from the US to Europe and back again. Um, she is really great with helping people navigate 
these transitions in their own careers. So please, please, please um, understand that you are in, 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 the, the, in the presence of a true genius of this field. So please take advantage of that. Um, she's the founder of Alora Collective, and she has a whole team of coaches. They work one-on-one -on -one to help people explore their options for career change um, and really help you to kind of get a good start in the working world, um, as well as, uh, you know, all throughout your career. So, Kelly, to have us jump off today, I know we had, um, we've got this whole big list of places you can keep up with Kelly on social. She's thrown a couple links into the chat, too. I'll keep sharing those with you guys, so that way you can... Uh, you can check that out. Is there anything else you want to add about Alora Collective or anything before we move on into questions? Uh, no, just that I'm excited to be here. Meg and I have done a good handful of events together, as well as we've done events with me and my other coach, Jill, who's a design specialist together. We love Power to Fly. We support this community for, I've been, I think my first event with you all was last December, 2019. I love that you give back. I love that you look at companies through the lens of do they support women and parents who want flexible schedules. I appreciate your founders and all of the free resources you all give out are just exceptional. And I'm really just grateful. Who's that? Hi. <laughs> um, so I'm excited to be a part of it. Uh, we'll run through your questions. Uh, you know, sometimes we've had over a hundred people, but I'm actually excited we have a small group today because I think that makes for better conversations because sometimes the questions are a bit generalized. So I'll do my best to answer. Uh, but if you have a follow-up, like Meg said, throw it in the chat or come off mute and feel free to extend. Also keep in mind that as part of our business model, you can go to Allura Collective and you can book a free strategy session. We offer one 30 minute free strategy session with one of our coaches of your choice. So it could be me, Jill, Joseph, or I'm about to add a new coach who's a remote digital nomad overseas and I'm so excited about her. So she'll be joining us in a couple of weeks. Um, but that's a chance if you need more personalized advice about where you're going, because as much as top 10 lists are nice and people post them, careers are personal because we're a person, right? They're transactional for the companies. So just like you're trying to build a resume that might fit the job description or a company, you're still a person. So if you need to have that conversation to ask those questions, or maybe you're in a position where you feel kind of lost, you don't know what questions to even ask, you want to change, you don't know what to change, these are the reasons why you want to have that conversation so we can really give you that one-on-one -on -one support that I think we all deserve. Absolutely. All right. So as we get started here, um, I'm going to call out, uh, we've got two slides of questions. I'm going to pause on these for a couple seconds each. Please feel free to get, take a screen grab if you'd like. You don't have to, like, you don't have to take, you know, notes or anything because you will get the rewatch uh, link to view this recording later. Um, but some of our more type A people like to see these question lists in advance so that way they can see if the question they submitted is one that we're going to tackle um, or try to tackle. Or um, this can also help you if you um, maybe have a question that, that occurs to you and it might fit in well with one of these things that we're going to go over. Um, I'm going to go to the next slide here. So grab your screenshots right now if you'd like. Next slide. Um, this is the second page of questions. Um, again, these are what we're going to try and get to. Um, we might roughly do it in this order, but Kelly is queen of kind of transitioning between questions uh, within her own answers. So I usually try and work in the background to make sure that the question on the screen roughly reflects what we're talking about as much as we can. But again, please feel free to participate um, and make sure that if you, uh, even if you have a question and it's going to be asked today, if it's towards the bottom and we might not get to it, the best way to make sure that your question gets answered is by coming off mute to ask it or putting it in the chat. So please feel free to do that. Um, all right, Kelly, to get us started, yeah. how can one write an introduction on their resume for better reach within the job filtering algorithms? 
Great question. I love that it's very specific uh, and it's very detailed. So I think the answer really applies not only to your resume uh, bullet points and other content, but the introduction as well. Uh, if you want better reach in a job filtering algorithm, if you want better reach when recruiters are searching for you, then you have to make sure that the right keywords and phrases are in that description. So write it how you think and what you feel, and then go on LinkedIn, look at the job description or go on another job board, I should say, look at the job description uh, or go on LinkedIn and find a person in the job that you want and look at their profile and how they describe themselves. Use those SEO keywords, use those top phrases, use the jargon, right? It's kind of that old adage of talk the talk. That's what you wanna put on your resume. And remember that your the job of your resume, right? Is not to get you the job. The job of your resume is to get you the next step, which is a phone call. So someone wants to know more. They want to ask you more questions, right? Your resume should really be like the who, what, where, when. People should want to call you to learn the how and the why that you achieve these things that would make you the fit for a role. So just remember that, okay? I think that's the most important thing about the resume is that that is the focus of it. The first person that reads your resume also is usually a screener. So again, they're looking for those keywords. They're looking for that match to the job description, to the company. If the job description in the company is focused on B2B and e-commerce, those two phrases better be in your resume. And if you can put them in your introduction, even better. I hope that's a, uh, I hope that's a good example. Um, and there are uh, websites where you can do like a free trial for five to seven days and search top SEO and top keywords. You can also do it even more specifically on LinkedIn if you want to. And try it. Try going on LinkedIn and searching keywords and see if your profile comes up. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't think about trying to search for my own, uh, my own profile. That's really good. Yeah. I mean, it's creepy sometimes like when you Google yourself, but you know, it can't hurt. Oh, I stopped Googling myself because there's a, a like a influencer or something, news host, something that has the name Megan Alexander. And oh. yeah, the results are just bizarre. <laughs> um, okay, so this next person wanted to know, how do you compose your general resume to make it more appealing? And I feel like this is something that a lot of people, at least especially now are doing because yeah, they yeah. may have a dedicated field, but yeah. beggars can make the choosers, so. It's a great question. Everyone should have a general, but when I do resume reviews, uh, I always want to know what the audience is going to be, whether it's the company, a sample job description. You know, if you're going for a mid-level role and the only job description you can find is the, is the director, that's fine because it's gonna give you the language and the profile that you want or the audience that you wanna uh, edit towards. In terms of a general resume, I would phrase it and I call it more of a master resume. If you go on alorecollective.com on the blog, I wrote a blog post about why I think everyone needs a master resume. And what I mean by that is, you can have a word vomit kind of word doc resume or put it in any application you want of all of the things that you've done. And that can be your general that you then edit from, right? So if through your career, you wanna keep adding the things that you do just like you back up your computer. Then when you are ready to switch jobs or you're ready to apply, you take your target, whether it's a company description, a person's profile who's in the job you want or a job description, you look at your master, and you take out whatever doesn't match or whatever's a distraction. Because remember the job of the resume you submit is to get you to the next step. I think submitting an overall general resume isn't very helpful because if someone sends me a general resume and it doesn't connect to the job, 
I'm not going to set up for an interview with them. I'm going to set up an interview with someone who connects to the job. So as opposed to a general, I would advise having a master that you can then edit towards the target you're going for. I think that's a, I personally think that's a better way. That's genius. And I actually do the same thing. I just call it um, my foundation resume. Mm -hmm. um, and that way I kind of use it as like that building block for everything else. So I save the versions that I send, like, especially when I was still like a paralegal, I would send out paralegal resumes. And then I'd also send out like administrative assistant resumes. Cause I was just, you know, trying to get a job. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes they were a little bit different. Sometimes they were more similar, but I would always keep the version that I sent no matter the company. And that way I could go in and, and kind of, you know, remind those, those ones that I had tweaked to fit certain, you know, job descriptions or certain points they were looking for. And I didn't have to keep reinventing the wheel or searching through my inbox or whatever. And yep. then I always knew like, you know, what my base, my foundation resume was. So I could always go back to the, you know, back to home base. It's like having a closet full of clothes, right? If half your stuff is under the bed, it's really hard to remember what's in the bin. But if everything is in front of you and you can see it, you can pick what's most appropriate for what you're doing at that time. And I just think it makes it easier on all of us. You know, a lot of us sit there and we try to figure out what to write in our resume and what to make it a fit. And something gets lost with the pressure of thinking of how to write it. So if you just write it loose, that's why I use this term word vomit, and then you edit it, it'll be much easier. And also keep in mind that language changes, jargon changes. The SEO, the keywords, the things we talked about even five years ago, maybe three, we're using different words for that now, right? I'm sure there's gonna be a new word for toolkit by next year, you know, they're gonna come up with something else to say. So there's always, there's always new buzzwords that you can inject into it. So if you keep it general and broad and conversational, you can then edit it towards and like style it towards whatever your goal is, whether it's the technology of the times, whether it's the language. I mean, look at marketing and social media. There used to not be social media jobs. And now you have product marketing jobs as opposed to community manager, social media manager, marketing manager. So I think the more you can keep it as a master or broad, the better. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest submitting just a general resume overall. I think you, you do need to somewhat target your resume. And if you look at your resume and it doesn't match the job, then book a free session or find some help so someone can help you make it match. Because otherwise, no one's, they're, not, they're gonna look at it and go, I don't know, I don't get it. All right, we did have a question come in anonymously in the chat. Um, this person asked, as a marketing professional who focuses on messaging and planning, but not metrics, how, what or how do I overcome not having measurable achievements as they are more aesthetic than something I can point to on, you know, like a, gar like a graph or I raise, okay. you know, awareness by this much? That's a really good question. Okay, so marketing and but you weren't able to get any metrics or numbers. All right, so first of all, you can create your own metrics if you have your own website or your own LinkedIn profile. If you inject your content and SEO words into it and then mark it, like even LinkedIn will give you stats of how many people searched you and found you. Uh, or if you have your own website, you can just do like the basic free Google Analytics and you can create your own metrics based on the content you put on there. So you can use that as like a project example, right? Say you were a student in a bootcamp, you would make up a project to show it. Outside of that, I would focus more on not so much roles that are titled or geared within straight up marketing management or product marketing. I would be looking at content. And then you're going to have to talk your way through that, 
right? So maybe as opposed to the results, you're going to have to talk about reaching the audience uh, or maybe even the research involved to do it if you don't have those measured results. Um, but you could, I mean, you could show your own results if you put it in your own website or your own uh, profile to show the effect. You could also reach out to people you worked for before and uh, request recommendations to add to your LinkedIn about the impact you had. You know, Susie's content was fantastic. Although we didn't have metrics in place, we saw an immediate imp impact in uh, our return on investment with the number of clients that came back. You know, although you didn't record it, there's still a way of discussing that impact, right? So yeah. even if you don't have percentages and numbers, you should still be able to talk about some kind of increase or some kind of growth or some kind of effect. Is this the kind of situation, and uh, please, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of spitballing here, but is this the kind of situation where you could do like a before and after, like this is what the situation looked like before? Because she's saying if, if the, most of her achievements are aesthetic, you know, here's what we updated or maybe make it more about like the user experience and made it easier to do such and such. Yeah, I think visual showing before and after makes sense. You know, that would, that also plays into, you know, people that are creative and do retouching or they redo a brand strategy until you test it and put it out there, you don't really know what the impact is, but you can certainly show the before and the after of what you did. I think that's a great idea. Um, and for a resume, I mean, you could just have your own website and just do you know, one of the pages showing the before and after and just embed the link in your resume and just write for C sample here so people can click and go directly to it. That's a great idea, yeah. yeah. Okay, thanks. I was just kind of spitballing on something that I would do with it, so yeah. And like, like you had said previously, you can always talk about like why the changes need to be made or the research that you did leading up to those changes. Um, you know, the feedback that you had on the front end, maybe if you didn't even get the feedback on the back end, like here's the feedback, feedback we were getting and this is why we made these changes or something. Yeah. Okay, um, this next person says, I have a lot of different things I could include on my resume. What's the rule of thumb for what you should definitely include? Or conversely, maybe stuff that you don't need to put on there. So I mean, I, I'm old enough that I remember when like typing skills were something you still put on your resume. So, so especially when you get further in your career, you have all of these things, but at the end of the day, remember the job of your resume is to make it look like you match whatever you're going after, right? The job that you're going for, if there isn't a job posted for you and you're going, you're trying to get an introduction. So you have a connect at that company for the future, you need to include what makes sense and what matches. And things that distract, delete them. That's where the whole master resume exercise comes into play. I personally am more of a visual learner and I've always been that way. It would be very hard for me to look at one resume and then only look at another one and remember what I just saw. And that's why I, I personally set them up next to each other. There have been times where I had to print them out and just look at them side by side and kind of delete what doesn't match. So if you have a target, you wanna take it out right? If you were getting dressed for a black tie wedding, you're probably not going to wear your sneakers. And that's how you have to look at it. So you have to just pull that stuff out. You know, like Meg mentioned, she had a background in, uh, in being a paralegal. If she's going for a role and the job is not a law firm, it's not professional services and has nothing to do with legal, there's no reason to put that on your resume. But say she was deciding, not you're not leaving Powderfly, I love you there, but say she was looking at something and it was a startup offering subscription legal services, you know, recurring revenue, brilliant. 
her, her legal experience matters because that's industry experience. So she might take that out for, to, she might sub that in and take something else out that doesn't quite connect. So whatever connects you to the, the role, meaning the job description and the tasks, responsibilities and skills, whatever connects you to the company in terms of their product, their industry, the market, B2B, B2C, e-commerce, retail, you name it, um, or whatever connects you to maybe their mission or their values. Maybe you're going for a social good job where, you know, buy a sneaker, give a sneaker, or, or like Bombas, buy socks, give socks. If you had experience in social good, that makes sense to add to your resume because you understand that industry. If it doesn't connect, take it out. And a good way to test it is send it to a friend or someone you know and ask them to read it and ask them if it makes sense. Because once we read it on our own so many times, we kind of get lost in it. And I have to ask friends to help me too. Like you should have seen me sweating and crying over the copy on my website, which I'm now trying to update again. It's very hard to to self-edit objectively when you are the subject. And it's hard for everyone. Yeah, Yeah, it's way harder to do it for yourself than it is to do it for somebody else. Yeah, and remember also, we're never gonna have control over what the person on the other side sees, reads, or does. We don't know how how much time they'll take to read it. We don't know if they stepped on a Lego that morning and they're in a bad mood. We don't know if they have a friend that's interviewing and they kind of want to put their resume through first. We don't have control over that. So don't get too tight on making it perfect. Just make it better so it makes sense. That's, That's the way that I think is the best way to look at it and kind of let a little steam out of the valve of the pressure to do it. And again, ask someone else to look at it. Well, and to play a little bit of devil's advocate with you, um, yeah. funnily enough that you should mention my paralegal experience with Power to Fly, um, <laughs> I'm actually part of the legal team here. Like I'm oh. like half the legal team at Power to Fly because of my paralegal experience. So one of the things that I, you know, personally, I didn't have the option to leave it off my resume because it was like not that long ago and I needed the experience like to, you know, kind of bulk up my resume a little bit. But um on other jobs sent or on other jobs um, previously, what I had done was either list it under other experience. Like if I was applying for like a, a waitressing job, they don't care that I'm a paralegal or that I have an office job, so experience, mm-hmm. whatever. But I would list it under either other other like skills and experience, or if I needed the space, I would find a way to put it into my um, my like objective, which I know is not a thing that most people have in their resumes now anyway, but it was a thing when I was still doing. So also too, if you were transitioning and this goes into industry skills and soft skills or functional skills, say you were uh, thinking to transition into something that requires an insane amount of detail, right? You are thinking to work with a, you want to go into data, you take a boot camp, right? You want to go into data analysis or a deep research for UX, your skills working in legal where what you do lives and dies based on the fact of, can you comprehend, can you read, and can you not miss a beat? It, it counts, it makes sense. So it's worth including that. It kind of, it's part of the foundation that leads you to that change. And that's how I think people need to think about it, right? You need to, you need to tell your story and not let other people tell you what doesn't make sense and doesn't connect. Because I have a degree in early childhood. And I was a nanny and a preschool teacher. And it was like so much fun. My whole family are teachers. I taught regular ed, special ed, you name it. Most people wouldn't care about that when you talk about technology recruitment, but I'm telling you, it made a huge difference in my ability to work with engineering introverts, 
very brilliant people that work in data and that have a binary brain. It also made a difference when I was working in sales to be able to deal with different personalities. So it comes into play if you can explain it, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, screaming toddlers and screaming Karens are exactly the same and the methods used to deal with them are very similar too. Yeah. Speaking and then like in general assembly when I was details. teaching people job search, all of a sudden I was educating people on how to be their own recruiter. So somehow these dots connect. And it was a, I think it was a Steve Jobs quote where he said, you really don't know how they connect until after. But when you look back, if you see these things can connect, then try to connect them and then ask someone else if they see it too. Like, don't just, don't just rule it out. I see a lot of people or I hear a lot of people getting advice of there's no way that matters, just start over as a junior. And I don't really believe that. I think when you make change, you start over with the leverage of experience. So you have to find a way to weave that in. Yeah. Um, Alyssa's asking a question in the chat. She's saying, um, what if you don't have any experience in the specific role you're applying to, i.e. boot camp student? How do you tailor past positions to connect with the position that you're applying for? So this is kind of what we're talking about, yeah. right? So then you're tailoring into like industry experience. So first of all, if you're in a boot camp, you should have project work. That is experience. If you built projects in your boot camp, whether you're it's a design or development, and I taught this in General Assembly, I built the first job search program for them, and I taught the UX design folks and the web development folks. Uh, those projects are your work. Period. If you didn't have time in the sprint to develop the project to where you're satisfied, keep going with it and add an iteration and make a note in your portfolio or on your resume that you added this iteration after the bootcamp. Put the links to your work and your projects in your resume. Uh, one of the templates I give to my clients uh, is a resume where the top section is projects and then underneath it is work experience. So if your projects connect you to your next job, lead with that. And then think about the target companies you're going after. So for example, I had a client who took a bootcamp in UX design and used to work in finance. God bless her. I would have left wearing a suit also uh, and has a degree in economics. My advice to her was she needs to target FinTech companies because her industry experience gives her leverage over other candidates, right? If I'm the recruiter in the seat and I'm from Chime or Aspiration or, well, Robinhood's having issues clearly or Betterment or, you know, any fintech startups that would be looking for a designer, of course I want to talk to someone who spent years in the industry, even if they're more junior in the actual role they're applying for. Not only does that give you leverage, it also gives you the ability to say, I understand that this is an associate level role and the range for it you know, is 60 to 75K. My target is to be in that 70, 75K range because I am bringing industry experience into this role. So it also gives you power uh, to ask for more, to be at the top of the key, if that makes sense. You'll be able to have better conversations with the interviewers and you'll be able to speak more strategically because you understand the industry, right? And if you're starting over, you can go after your dream companies, but if you can use your previous experience to get you into that first job after the boot camp, use it. Like, I don't care if you were a server or whatever, so go for hospitality. There are restaurant groups and hospitality groups all over the place you know, go for that role that'll make you stand out, that'll make you a candidate they're gonna to wanna to talk to and you'll be able to rise faster. You'll have more confidence in the interview because you can talk about the industry because you know it. Yeah, I mean, one thing that really helped me was um, leaning on, because I mean, let's, let's talk real. I've made the transition from paralegal to uh, purchasing manager 
to audiobook publisher to talent advocate and then marketing and social media for Powerfly. So that's, it's all over the freaking map. And I, most of what I relied on was relating my experiences, not like specific skills. Like I learned how to, you know, order window uh, uh, manufacturing materials or whatever. I leaned on, well, I was in a fast paced environment. I had to change, you know, change on the fly. Um, yeah. I had to do a lot of different hats. So I did office stuff. I did doc receiving, I did whatever. And then I used that to say, okay, well, here's the different things that I can do. And I learned how to do them on the fly. For Power to Fly, I, I applied talking about how I knew how to manage my own time. So even if I hadn't really worked remotely before, I'd like structured my schedule at other jobs so that I knew how to manage my time without having to be, you know, supervised 24-7. Yeah. Leaning yeah. on those experiences that will translate. Mm-hmm. And they're not like you can call them soft skills if you want, but they're not really as soft as like, you know, knowing how to talk to somebody or something like that. But like leaning on those experiences to say, well, I haven't done that, but I've done this and it's very similar and here's why. Yeah. All right. So this next person wants to know how many resumes should I have? So we touched on this a little bit briefly earlier. Yeah. Um, it, it, they're talking about having like to how grueling it is to fill out so many resumes and then have to fill out applications. So don't even get me started on why they can't just figure yeah. out like a universal app for this kind of thing. But how many I of those do you want to keep? I really don't think you need that many, you know, if you're, if you're going for UX design roles and UX research roles, maybe you have two. Um, I don't think you need to tweak it for each company unless, you know, maybe you're tweaking something in the summary where one company's B2B and one's B2C. You shouldn't have to have that many. Maybe I would say maybe three or four, but I think that would be more of an exception. You know, you can always change a summary. You can always change a mini cover letter. And I say mini because full page cover letters are exhausting and nobody, people don't really read them to be honest. Um, And the other thing about applications too, is you want to try to avoid that as much as possible. You want to play the networking game. You want to go through LinkedIn and look for people. Uh, The more you can send a message, if you go on, um, alorecollective.com. There's another free download of six job search message templates. Read the blog. The blog has updated copy. I have to update the PDF download, Um, but it gives you different message templates so you can reach out and connect to people asking for introductions and referrals and what the difference is. Uh, So even if you're applying to these jobs, you should still be reaching out to people in your network and asking them to introduce you to someone in the company uh, or sending a message to someone in the company directly um, yeah, if you go on the blog, look for the blog post that says six job search message templates. And actually we also did a one hour event where I answered questions specifically about those templates with power to fly. You can yeah. also find that link, um, on the Allura collective blog as well, but I'll dig up the link, um, Allison, it, while, uh, Kelly's doing the next question, I'll dig up the links for that. Cause I think, I think the power to fly, uh, video link also has the link to the Allura collective blog. Great. So you can find them both on alorecollective.com slash blog, um, or you can find the event uh, one to, uh, or the, the event link is also on Power to Fly. Uh, so basically, so when you're sending these messages, you want to do it a one and done, and it needs to be convenient. So hi, Kelly, I noticed you're connected to Mega Power to Fly. Uh, they have a job posted. I'm very much interested in it. Uh, I'm applying in the inbox. I was hoping you can make an introduction for me so I don't get lost uh, in the pile. Below is my mini cover letter, and here's my resume attached for your convenience. All in one shot. So just make it easier for people to help you. Um, Back to the resume question. 
I really don't think you need that many. If you're making 10 or 15 different resumes, something is wrong. I don't know why you're going after that many jobs, right? And maybe 10 or 15 is a little bit extreme. If, you, if you're saving your resume each time you send it, like the file name so that you know which one you sent to which company, that's, I mean, that's fine. Um, I just use a Google sheet that I built templates for my clients where they can just track their job search there. I don't really think you need that many. I would say maybe two, three, four tops, depending on what you're going for, right? If it's something specific, book a free session and ask me and I'll tell you, because maybe you're doing a career change um, and maybe you can get it done in like two versions, but it really depends. There we go. Um, so I put the link in the chat so that, we, that way you guys can have um, a link to see all of the past chats um, that Kelly's talking about right now. Um, the one on the job search message, temp message templates is like just scroll down the page, it'll be there. Um, and there's links to the Allure Collective blog posts, I think, within each one of those. So please feel free to check that out there. Um, okay, so for our next question, let me get back in here. Okay, is there a recommended format for a resume and is it okay to include images or different colors? Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> you can kill me. Go to allurecollective.com slash blog, right? You can also find the link on our LinkedIn page because there's another free download in the blog post called Resume Reform. And I give you a free PDF download of my tips and tricks for making a resume like leadership language and stuff, but it also shows you my favorite format, which again are templates I built for my clients. So I prefer the two column because it's kind of like a web page where, and you can do this if you have a one pager or a two pager, but what I like about the two column, and I don't do the half and half, which a lot of these templates are, mine is more like a 70-30 kind of a split, work experience and then right column. Uh, because I like being able to see someone's work experience right next to their skills and their tools. I don't like having to go to the bottom to get to it. And then whatever else is there, certifications, education, you name it. Because a lot of times the person on the other side looking at it, they might get interrupted with a Slack message or have a meeting or something else come up before they even get to the bottom. And for folks that are more visual learners like me, I can see it all in one shot. It's like having it in one screen. So I think that's more effective. I think images in different colors... I'm not really a fan of images, although if you're in Europe, there are plenty of people that put their picture on their resume. So that can be a different regional thing or a cultural thing. So I'm not going to say no to that. But typically on the US side, I don't really see many images of people. Um, if you're a designer, 100% your resume should be designed, right? If you're going for a design job, then your resume, you should pay attention to your fonts. You should pay attention. Maybe you're going to have two or three colors, not too much but it should be an aesthetic. Maybe it'd be similar to your uh, website and you should be sending a locked PDF, of course. If it's minimal, you'll see in the resume reform guide I sent that I use two colors. Well, I guess actually three. I do uh, regular black ink for the headlines. I do like charcoal gray for the regular type. And then I pick one other color. So in the resume reform guide download, it's blue but different clients make it different colors. Like I have a client I made it red for, one made it green. Um, but you don't want to do too much. But I think a little bit of a touch, a little bit of a flare is nice. You know, it should be, unless you're, you know, unless you're in financial services or legal and it's an old school Word doc and like Times New Roman, then have some fun with it. And you can find free templates online all over the place. Yeah, um, check out Canva. I never would have thought of them for this, but apparently they do have some really great resume templates. 
Yep. And especially if you're in a non-creative field or something a little bit more like traditional, um, follow the Coco Chanel rule of like, get it all finished and then take um, one thing out of it. So yep. like take out the color or make sure that you only have one font that's in the whole thing or, you know, whatever, take away something extra to yep. really, you know, make it a little bit more, more trimmed down. And for the non-designers or for anyone that might not be aware, when you're picking your other color, just keep accessibility in mind. So you don't want to do a gray that's too light. You don't want to do a color that's too soft because for some folks, it'll be hard for them to read it, right? Um, also keep in mind fonts. You know, the days of having to make your bullet text 12 point are over and ridiculous, right? You're not making it for someone to print it. Number one, we're all remote. Number two, if they want to print it, that's fine. But you can go down to nine point for your bullets I do nine point for the bullets and then maybe 10 point for the header. If they don't know how to zoom in on it when they're looking at it on a laptop, uh, are they tech savvy enough to work for? Maybe not. I don't know. But if you use 12 point, you're not going to be able to get that much on a page. So don't worry about that. Very true. And thank you for calling that out. Um, okay. So this next person wanted to know, how do you build a strong generalized resume to share on platforms such as Powerfly and LinkedIn without seeming like you're not focused when you have multiple areas of expertise? Um, I can address the Powerfly aspect, but I want Kelly's answer first on the LinkedIn aspect. Yeah. So I think this is probably, if this is your question, you wanna add like context to that, please feel free to come off mute or put it in the chat. Um, but I think this sounds like this person's asking if like, like if you are maybe in a position where I was, where you're applying to pa like paralegal jobs, as well as like admin assistant jobs. It's a great question. And also I remembered that I sent the free resume reform guide PDF to someone earlier today. So I just dropped it in the chat so you can grab it now if you want it. No problem. Um, <sighs> I don't know that you have to share a generalized resume on LinkedIn. Some people add it to their profile and that's okay, but I don't see those two things as, as the same thing. I look at a, I look at a resume as the, as here's my best analogy. I look at a resume as the trailer to a movie, the short trailer, right? 45 seconds. I watch the trailer. I'm like, Ooh, somebody dies. Your LinkedIn profile like your full LinkedIn profile is more like the longer trailer. It's like a minute and a half. You're like, ooh, he dies. But now you want to see the rest of the movie. Then once you interview, that's the full movie. That's the full feature, if that makes sense. So if you're going to, if you're going to put a resume on LinkedIn, I would... I wouldn't make it generalized. I would gear it towards either the industry or the role that you want. I would still tailor it because you have to, that's the way that you can kind of control what people will assume after they read it. You have to lead them somewhere, right? If you're just showing them your experience overall, then why are they reading it? What's the point? So you have to kind of target it somewhere, whatever that focus is. I don't care what it is, startups, uh, technology, hospitality, like it doesn't really matter, but it should be, it should have something to it that is focused. You know, if you're putting it on uh, Power to Fly, then pick the top two or three companies that advertise jobs on Power to Fly, whether or not the jobs they posted fit you and gear it towards their product, their mission, their value, their tech stack, right? That's, that's what I would do. But I think just, 
you know, and when people have general applications, which I'm sure Power to Fly does and, you know, other companies do as well, when they say drop it in our general application inbox, if it isn't for a role, then you need to gear it toward the role that you want. So if they don't have it open for you, then find, use LinkedIn, find someone that works there that is in the role that you want next and use their profile to make your general resume look like that person. How's that? Does that make sense? Like, I think people skip on the idea of using people's profiles on LinkedIn a lot. And I encourage everyone I work with to do it. Not only should you be following companies, follow the people. You know, it's, it's like, it's like fashion or music. Nobody's reinventing anything you're layering on top of. So use that data that's already there to accessorize yourself or, or shift what you're giving them. That's, that's what I would do. I hope that was specific enough and made sense. Yeah, I love that. Well, between between the the music analogy of like you know borrowing from other people, and then the the um, I forget what the first one was. Oh, the the movie trailer analogy that was really good too. Um, one as far as Power to Fly goes, this is a really great place to use. We call it. I think it's your your story section, and LinkedIn has like an about me section that can do the same thing. But that's a good place to call out like. Like, like I, hate, I hate to keep coming back to it, but when I was doing this, I didn't say like, I'm looking for an office position or I'm looking for a paralegal role. What I said is that I was looking for um, like a, a, a role where I could be challenged, where I got to, you know, have an important, like play an important part in um, the goings on of that, of that department. I kind of distilled it down to like the ideas as opposed to like focusing on the subject matter. And that yeah. made my profile a little bit more general um plus I mean you're not printing this off so like your profile can include all of your work history in it um and you don't have to have like giant lists of bullet points underneath um with like everything that you did you can make it more sparse like that um as far as your LinkedIn or your power to fly profile goes and keep in mind guys you can also like kind of toggle when your power to fly profile is visible and when it's not and knowing that it's not visible by anybody that's not either power to fly admins or our client companies really helps because that way you know that you know like your boss unlike your LinkedIn profile like nobody can search it so they're not going to see that you're you're currently job searching or whatever so your boss isn't going to find out your you know chatty coworker that would rat you out isn't going to find out and if you can't maybe if you can't find a job description that's exactly what you want you know maybe you're at one level and you can't find uh and you can't find one to kind of help you edit yours that you want to post like for this specific question because you're saying you have multiple areas of expertise you don't want to seem unfocused then find just then just find a different one on the same team. So if maybe you're at a mid-level, find one that's a director level. It's still the same team. So as much as it's a general resume, it should still speak to the career track that you're on or how those areas connect. And again, whether that's industry, it could be B2B, it could be B2C, it could be e-com, it could be tech. There should be some kind of thread of continuity or through line that comes through. And if you don't see it and other people, when you share your resume with, don't see it either, uh, then I would add a summary at the top. I usually don't advise that. I like to put the summary as the mini cover letter for the messaging. But if you're concerned that things aren't connecting, then I would advise to do a one to three sentence summary at the top. And if you look at that free reform guide, I actually write out what should be included in that too at the top. That whole thing, all the bullets and content in there is just all resume tips. It's not like Latin, gypsum, whatever that stuff is when it's a blank. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're, we've got about 15 minutes left in today's chat. So please, everybody, please feel free to come off mute to ask questions. 
Um, you can also put questions or comments into the group chat. You can also send them to me directly. So please yeah. feel free to get your stuff in um, before we run out of Kelly's time today. Let's do more. Um, I know, right? We have to do more of these. Um, okay. All right, so this person wants to know, what's the best way to showcase your experience without having a three-page resume? So basically, like, how do you know when to do that edit? You've touched on this briefly before, um, but is there anything else you want to add to this, or do you want to move on to another question? No, edit towards a target, edit towards an audience. You got to have a target or an audience. Otherwise, what are you editing for? It's like getting dressed and you don't know where you're going to go. That's a t-shirt and jeans, and that's fine. But if you go to, you know, if you're going to end up in a place where something else would be more appropriate, that's what it is. So you should always have target companies, target industry. Um, a three-pager is, would, most people don't need a three-pager. And if you're stuck on it and you don't know how to edit or you're having trouble with it, ask someone. Absolutely. Okay. Um, this next person wants to know, how can you use past how can you use past experience to position yourself correctly in an entirely new industry where you're looking to switch to a role totally unrelated to what you've done in the past? Yeah. So we touched on that before. I gave the example of the designer who had an economics degree where she was like, how does that make sense? You know? So that was an example of it in terms of targeting those companies. And it also doesn't even have to be that. You know, when Meg was talking about her experience, my brain was thinking, wow, she really has great communication skills. Because even though she changed industry, all of her roles required succinct and concise communication to be between people that are cross-functional that are doing very different things. That is a skill that can be your through, through line all the way through. Um, so that's what you want to look at. I have yet to, I think that's why my title on the website isn't like technology recruiter or other things. That's why my main pieces right now are career change and strategic relocation, because I love connecting those dots in those kind of funny ways. I have yet to have someone where I can't connect a dot somewhere. So if you're having a roadblock, ask someone else or ask me, it could be a soft skill. It could be functional. It could be anything but there's always something. And if you can't find it, then book a free session and I'll help you figure it out. Again, I know we say this a lot guys, but like do not undervalue those soft skills, seriously. Like not everybody has them. Um, yeah, just like, don't say that you're detail, you're hardworking and detail oriented. That does nothing for me. Yeah, because everybody thinks they are and some people are and some people aren't, but just saying it doesn't make it true. Yeah. Um, Somebody's asking in the chat if we're allowed to use that resume format. Absolutely, right? Oh, the PDF one? Yeah, if you yeah. can replicate it, go for it. I made that one in uh, in Google Docs. Uh, so I, that's one of the templates. I have three that I share with my clients as part of the package when they work with us. Uh, all of our coaches share it with the clients. Um, but if you can replicate those columns, go for it. I did it in Google Docs. I know people that have built resumes in pages. Uh, one of my friends built it in Google Slides because that's what she was comfortable with. It doesn't really matter. The one that matters is the one that you're going to use if you apply to a career site or an ATS. That really should be a Word doc and it should be ugly. And what I mean by that, it should be a plain regular font, one column, top to bottom, you know, like an old ugly resume. But the one that's more stylized, like the two column, that one you're always going to save as a PDF so the style is locked. You're either going to add it to a message on LinkedIn or email when you're asking for an introduction or referral, or when you apply to a career site and you upload like the ugly one so that it hopefully parses, which even it, it usually doesn't even upload correctly and you have to retype it, you can attach the PDF pretty one where they let you attach a cover letter. 
So you'll still keep using it. But yeah, now, I know in the past we've had people ask this, but just in case somebody that wasn't on one of our past chats has this question too. Yeah. Um, if you are applying to someplace and there is no like field to allow you to add a, you know, add a PDF or add um, like a resume in that kind of format, mm. should you, should you, is that the kind of thing you like email their HR or send a general one like, Hey, I would love to have attached this to my, my resume or to my application, but it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a field that was available or is yeah. that overkill? Yeah. No, it's, ne it's never overkill. Be relentless, make people accountable. If you find an email address, send it. Uh, and keep emailing them every few days till they get back to you. If the best thing you can do is go on LinkedIn and either try to message someone who works there directly. Hey, I tried and this wasn't an option. Can you help me? Right? The word introduction is not referral. Referral is I worked with you. You're cool. That's employee referral. I'll put my name on you. Introduction is, hey, can you help me connect to Meg so I don't get lost in the inbox? I wasn't able to do this, but I want to make sure they see it. <laughs> go for it. Do it on Worst LinkedIn. Thing no or not answer. Yeah. And we don't care about the people that don't answer because a lot of people won't answer and that's okay. We only care about the one that does. That's all. That's yeah. all. So yeah. Uh, be relentless. Don't wait on people. Uh, I used to advise four to five days to follow up. I've shortened that in days of COVID to two, three. Keep in mind, especially unless you're going for remote roles or you're in other regions or countries in America, we're coming up on Thanksgiving. Even though we're all working from home, people start to check out. Uh, last week with the election, everybody checked out, I'm pretty sure, because I got behind. I definitely lost two or three days of productivity just waiting on things. So keep that in mind. So maybe you don't want to do two, three-day follow-ups. Maybe from now until Christmas, maybe you do extend it to every four or five days. Uh, if you need a reminder of when to follow up, then at the end, say you spent an hour and you reached out to five people on LinkedIn for introductions, make a calendar event in your Google Calendar, your iCal, put the names of the companies and say, reached out on this date and set it to repeat every five days. So then in five days, you look at it and go, oh, three of them got back to me, cross them off. These two did not, I'm sending a follow-up. So that's a great way to set an alarm so that you don't have to constantly reread a list. I love that. Yeah. Um, okay, so this person, and keep in mind guys, we only have nine minutes left. So if you have questions, make sure you ask them. Um, this person wanted to know, what's your best advice for overcoming fear and the procrastination that can come from building a resume to switch careers? I feel this on a personal level. I hate Yeah, like job search sucks. I mean, you should see, I have panic when I send things out, right? And I've been doing this a long time. I think the best way to, I don't know if any of us ever overcome it. We could talk about imposter syndrome. We could talk about our feelings all we want. I don't think any of us overcome it. I think half the people in really... Uh, good roles, or let's just say half the people anyway, are Googling half the things they're doing. It's a lot of, it's a lot of fluff without substance. So give yourself a break. The only thing you can do is move forward and try it. And I know that that's very simplistic, but we have to do it, right? If you have, if you're crying, then do it while you're crying. You just have to do it. And if you're really stuck, that's really why a lot of people are career coaches now. That's what you have friends that are are in, in the industry and understand what you're going through that you can talk to. So if you're job searching and you're stuck, don't ask someone that's never had to search for a job. They're not going to understand. They're not going to empathize. I was out of work in the recession for eight to 10 months. I know what this feels like, which is why anytime I started, you know, when I started teaching at general assembly or I talked to people that are struggling, the first thing I say is job search really sucks. It's completely normal to hate it. It's completely normal to be 
afraid of being judged. It's completely normal to think that what you're sending out isn't good enough because you have no control of the other side. And no one has ever taught us how to do this. There's no class in school. There's no program that teaches us how to interview or sell ourselves. It's just one of those things that we have to figure out. Uh, so if you need help, find a career coach. You can book a session with us. You know, Get someone on your side that'll support you because I think a lot of the fear is not knowing how to fix it if it doesn't work or what the solution is. So a lot of folks that I work with, they, they still have that fear about what's going to happen, but they know that whatever happens, they're not alone in it. And I think that's the best thing you can do for yourself is to have allies, right? That's, there's a difference between mentors and allies, but you, you need to have people around you that'll support you, whether that's dealing with getting rejected or not hearing back at all, or helping you make a change to your career and being honest with you. In a healthy market, job search is one to three months. Anyone who says you're going to find a job in one month right now during COVID and all these other things, I don't buy it. And I don't think it's fair to set that expectation. So you really want to have realistic expectations, right? That whole adage of sales to under promise and over deliver. You kind of have to do that for yourself a little bit too, right? And, and give yourself a little bit, uh, a little bit of a break. But if you're really trying to push past it, then have someone to help you give you the confidence to push through. We do interview prep all the time. When you practice it and you've done it, it's easier to do it and step through it. We have five minutes. We can get another one or two questions in. Let's try. Yeah. Um, and if you guys are looking to do interview prep, I know we are hosting um, a, a mock interview session with, I think it's there you go. Uh, products by women, I want to say. Um, I'll check out the, I'll see if I can find the link while we're answering this next question, but we, we do a free session and you can like do mock, uh, practice mock interviews with peers. So it's a lot less scary, but it's very helpful. So please feel free to check that out. Yep. Um, okay. This next person wants to know, how do you address multiple gaps in your resume? Do you still recommend a chronological resume when you have multiple gaps in your resume that are not related to your career? Uh, it depends. And I'd have to, I'd have to look at it. It depends on how long the gaps were. It also depends if those employees are necessary to keep on your resume, or if maybe you can just shorten it. Um, I'd have to look at it and see how long the gaps were, because if you're talking about a few months, not a big deal. You know, if it was a few years and it was a personal thing, whether you were taking care of family or children or other things, it, it really just depends. I'd have to take a look at it. Because I don't want to give blanket advice that won't apply. But if I was able yeah, to see it, I could give better advice. All right. So if this is your question, please feel free to add context. Um, you can come off mute or put it in the chat. Um, for those of us that might, might be closer to this, um, if your gaps are, let's say you had like, like a, a, personal, a personal gap that was four months and then you had COVID gap. And now you're, you know, and they were separated only by like maybe a year or two. If you're trying to address both of those gaps, one of which is going to, you know, pretty common right now, and the other one of which isn't, do you address them differently? Yeah. Okay. I'm more yeah, thinking like really, because I don't want to give blanket advice that's not going to fit the situation, and okay. it's really it's really going to be different. The other thing to do is when you have gaps it's even more important to go through your introductions and referrals and work that network because 
when you have someone versus instead of applying to a website, when you have someone that's going to read your mini cover letter first and their first impression of you is what you're saying you can do and what you're going to contribute and the impact you have versus looking at your resume first and seeing gaps, it changes. It also changes when someone, like when someone sends someone like that, right? It, it's like, it's, it's like, you know, being referred on a blind date, but you're referred by someone, you know, so it's not a serial killer. So have a conversation and check it out and ask questions versus just up uploading it to a website where you don't have any type of uh, nudge, I guess, in that direction. But whoever this person is, honestly, go to Laura Collective and book a free session so I can actually see the gaps and I can help you work through it. Because there are other templates where you can do a summary and you can do it by year instead of months. You know, if you had a six month gap, then you could just do the years, but I'd really want to take a look at it so I could make sure I'm giving appropriate uh, uh, advice. Oh, you're muted, Meg. Oh, Allie, did you have anything that you'd like to add to this question? Yeah, that was my question. Um, so yeah, I, I had a multiple gaps. One that it was, um, got I got laid off and I decided to travel. And then the other gap, it was um, my, one of my parents got sick and I was caring for them. And then now um, I quit my job in 2019 uh, awesome. before, the, before the pandemic because it, it was just a value culture clash. But because of COVID, I, you know, didn't, I, I didn't look for a job. And then I took some time off to, during that time to take classes. So okay, those are my gaps, but. Um, so I think you could, I think it's possible to rework it where you could chronologically add in your education. I also wouldn't shy away from saying you traveled for a year. I personally love that. And I think that could also help you go towards companies that are working. Uh, I don't know what you do, but you may want to look at target companies that are involved in travel or supporting digital nomads or things like that, because that gives you leverage because you understand that experience, right? Um, there's nothing wrong with saying that. In fact, when I left New York, I added on my LinkedIn that I was chief travel officer because I was just, honestly, I was just a schmuck and I didn't care uh, because I drove myself from New York to LA. And one of my old candidates saw it and said, oh my God, you made it to California. And she messaged me and she said, you should go check out General Assembly. I'm working with them now. Weren't you a teacher? That might be a good idea for you. And that's how I found General Assembly. So you can be honest about that. The personal experience caring for family or whether it's children or whatever that is, uh, I don't think you have to share that. You can leave that as a, as a gap and just let people ask questions about it. But I think you can fill in the travel experience. I think that's something to brag about. I think that's worthy. And then you can use that to target companies that will appreciate that and look for that experience. You know, If the role you're going for involves dealing with people of all different countries, if you're looking at remote companies like you know, like a Zapier, Envision, or AHA, or the ones that really have been distributed for five to 10 years, they want people with those skills and you can play off of that. But we're at one o'clock. Grab some time with me, Great, Allie. Thank you. you. You got it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. So um, to wind us down here, I want to say thank you so much uh, to Kelly for joining us and sharing your wealth of knowledge with all of us today. Um, please feel free to go ahead and use those links that I sent over um, to connect with Kelly um, to book a free session, um, any of those things. I'm also gonna throw another link here in the chat um, where you guys can all go and check out our upcoming um, our upcoming chat and learns that we've got happening. Yep. Uh, we're done for today, but there are more tomorrow. Don't you have a career 
fair tomorrow? Isn't there a power to fly? Oh yeah, we do. Tomorrow? We are having the virtual career fair tomorrow. I'm going to be hosting that. Um, I don't remember <laughs> which room I'm in, but thank you, Kelly. Um, that <laughs> runs from I think 11:30 to 3:30 or three o'clock tomorrow. So if you're not registered, please show up. It's free. Um, so why not? You know, come up and, and network. Take, take a look. Network, um, network, network. If the job isn't a fit for you, send it to someone else, and then they'll help you back. Network, yes. network, network. Um, Lauren's asking about how to sign up for consultations with Kelly. There are links on how to do that on all of our past chats. And I believe we include those links in the rewatch emails that go out. Yeah. And um, if you go to laurecollectives.com, there's a blue button at the top that says book your free session. Thank Click you, it. Kelly. <laughs> um, thanks so much to everybody for joining us and can't wait to do it again. Um, hope you guys all have a lovely Thursday and I'll see you bright and early tomorrow for the career fair. Bye. Thanks Meg. Thanks everybody.